If you're interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email or visit us at lutherhouseofstudy.org. You can find Sarah's email in the show notes. Also, we would like to say a special thank you to Jim Wagner for sponsoring this week's episode in honor of Professor Edwin Schick's 100th birthday. Is saying, Jesus actually has freed you and forgives you. All your sin is going to raise you from the dead and is going to remove your identity as a victim. He's going to remove your identity as one who is a perpetrator. He's going to remove all this from you. Take your history and absolve it. Are disciples and apostles two terms for the same person? Why are people rushing to follow Jesus and his apostles? What's the difference between Jesus taking care of our daily needs and delivering the gospel promise? These are the questions Adam Keery and I pose to both of Luther House of Studies co-directors, Dr. Chris Krogan and Sarah Stenson, in this week's episode. You'll hear Dr. Krogan and Sarah teach about what it means to be given authority from Jesus and the realization that when you plagiarize Jesus, things start to happen. As you'll hear in this week's passage, when the apostles were given the same authority as Jesus and their words took care of people's needs, the stream of people with unmet needs suddenly got longer and longer. But what you'll hear Sarah and Dr. Krogan preach to us this week, Jesus takes care of our daily needs to deliver his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Let's get to this week's text. Here's Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 34 and 50 through 56. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place, all by yourselves, and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to a land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about the whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have the whole gang back together. We have Sarah Stenson and Dr. Chris Krogan with us this week's this week. Thanks for being here, both of you. We're back. So we're in uh, Mark uh, chapter 6 again, uh, verse 30. Can we have a little context as far as what happened beforehand and yep. what we can expect uh, coming up? Yep, so still in Mark. And uh, these verses actually pick up where 
the verses from last week's lectionary text ended, which was the beheading of John the Baptist. So this comes right after that had happened. So, uh, I mean, the apostles gathered around Jesus and told told him all that they had done and taught. So prior to that, they were... They'd been out two yeah. by two. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So he had sent Jesus them out with the authority. Out, and we talked about that yep. a couple weeks ago. So about, is this kind of like the first time that the... Okay, for, first of all, is apostles interchangeable with disciples at this point? So not quite. Disciples were people that were following Jesus around, listening to his teaching. Now, okay. when they're called apostles, is because they were actually sent out by Jesus. And so when you get that word apostle, a lot of people think, oh, they, there's a status there. There's some kind of you know um, title that they got because of who they are. No, it's actually their vocation or what they do. It's, it's the function. So an apostle... Salia is the Jewish word that they used, and it was you were appointed to carry out a particular function in the stead of somebody else, and, and you know so you were supposed to do a duty, and so Jesus sends out these men to preach and proclaim so they'd be repented. Remember a couple weeks ago that they were repenting people, so this is they were given the same authority that Jesus had, and so this is what makes you an apostle is when you have Jesus's words coming out of your mouth to do the very thing that Jesus um, did, which was absolve sin and make new where there is old. And so this is what happened there. And so it was an authority given by Jesus to go out and do this. And so then they were given that authority in the rest of this verse then, and they went and told Jesus all that they had done and taught or preached. And so they were pretty excited that, wow, look at what we, look what we then, do. Yeah, and exactly. then. Yeah, You should have seen what, you're, what you told us to do. It actually happened. Yeah. And, and we actually, It's like you know, a little kid, like learning things yeah, for the exactly. first time. They were so proud yeah, of themselves. Amazed at their own Well, and actually we hear this um, from our students where they'll, they'll hear us. I'm just kidding. Yeah, actually Adam has a story. Yeah, you were one of the people I was thinking of, Adam, that you'll sit in our classrooms for a while and you hear, hear about yeah and you'll hear about the freedom of a christian and all these things you say this and, it, and it then you actually something. get yeah. out of the classroom and start delivering christ's forgiveness the gospel into actual sinners ears and you're shocked you're shocked that it actually functions and it happens to me still too yeah. we're like oh, yeah. oh my gosh like a where did that come from that i even that that came out of my mouth but b you watch that freedom land, and it is incredible. So, And it's always kind of a joke that I always say you plagiarize Jesus, but yeah. I say that specifically so that you're using Jesus' words because yep. they actually are what make you apostolic, and they make it so that it happens. And that is that authority Jesus yeah. had given the and apostles. So, and and it now. is fun because yeah. uh, we, we, as we get older, we have our students come back and say, you know what? I actually said it, and it did something. Shazam! <laughs> wow! No, it's been them. it's been fun yep. to hear some of the yeah, stories. It's not a not even just from Adam, but yeah. I know yeah. like in your when you guys do those in person classes, yeah. or yeah. did before COVID, yeah. You know, it's fun just to hear people yep. talk in during those. Yep. Yeah, the um, word does its own work. Right. Yeah. Okay, but so to carry on within the text. Jesus says to them, come away into a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. Is this literally just because they're just so taxed? It actually says in the next sentence, for or because many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. So because they had been 
and they now are publicly identified as having that same authority as Jesus. And that authority was, and as we're talking about, is actually changing people's lives. Um, People are starting to chase them down. So they don't even have time to eat. They can't even eat in peace. So Jesus says, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest. And what's fascinating is, so they're, they're all excited. They see this, but then this is chapter six. In chapter eight, Jesus calls out Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. In yeah. chapter nine, you see the disciples fighting over who who has the greatest one. In chapter 10, they're saying, hey, get the kids out of here. Put them in the nursery. We don't want around. They're, they're causing problems. So even though they go out, do ministry themselves, do this powerful word, they, like us, are subject to going, now, did that really happen? Right. Or should I do something here? Or can we? Should I maybe change those words a little bit? And yep. was it really what I think it was? Because I just, I find it interesting that that verse 31, where Jesus says, let's go rest, they actually never really get the opportunity nope. that we see in the later verses. Like, I mean, it it it's it literally sounds a little bit like just like chaos. Yep. This is why yeah. pastors really uh, plagiarizers of Jesus are never given opportunity for self-care. <laughs> it's not really something that you make part of your routine because as you're out there doing this, once you get the reputation of delivering this word of authority, then you you literally people will be coming all the way, all around. In this particular instance, though, and it's part of what the narrative has, because as you read along this, you'll see that they skipped out. They went from verses 34 and then jumped to 53, and this this two different stories that they missed out on, which is the feeding of the five thousand, and then Jesus walking on water. Mm-hmm. And so there's something going on here with the disciples that they're chasing them down because they're getting their daily needs met. And so that's very important. So the people were like, we recognize these guys because they actually healed us. They provided us some miracles here and did some stuff. And so we really want to get around them because our life is better in this old world when they're around. So they're not even necessarily chasing them down because of their ability to deliver the gospel, but more so of what they're able to do for the daily needs. But it is, before we get to those verses that are skipped, um, if we get back up into the 33, 34, they're trying, they're trying to get away. They went in a boat to a deserted place by themselves, but then the crowd is chasing them down. They're coming from, from all angles and chasing them. And the, I actually really like 34 here. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. This is Jesus. He had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Okay, first of all, compassion is that Greek word, splachnitsumai, which we said before, which is one of my favorite Greek words. It means this <laughs> deep um, inner, it actually technically means moving the inner parts, like this deep, like your stomach twist. You have so much compassion, your stomach twist, splachnitsumai. Um, that was how Jesus was feeling because these crowds are like sheep without a shepherd. Mm -hmm. They were just wandering around, in this case, bleating like sheep, like, heal my sick or so, you know, do this for me, do that for me. And so Jesus begins to teach them many things. And the Greek word there on teach is didasko, which 
almost always refers to teaching scripture when you see that word in the New Testament. And this is, of course, Jesus who is teaching, and of course he is going to be teaching them scripture. What else would he teach them? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So it's this splachnitsumai, this deep, inner, like gut-wrenching compassion, caring for these people who are chasing down the apostles, trying to get their own needs met. And he has compassion, begins to tell them, Let, you know, let's talk about scripture here. That's when the scene cuts and we have the, the big verse skip here. I, I think it's really easy to look over in, in Mark, but he's actually using very plain language to describe things that are really important. The, the crowd, for one, they saw them going and recognized them. You can skip over that really quickly like yep. we mm-hmm. just did. Saw them going and recognized them. For one, they knew who had the the authority yeah. yep. there. They recognized who had the authority. That's an important distinction. And they they hurried there. They didn't. They needed to get there because they knew something. What, big. Was, it, what yep. was happening? So mm-hmm. it's just like all these small details. What they recognized actually... them. They hurried to to get there. Like those are the well, crowd it, knows who yeah. has the authority. And even even the the remark the the remark from mark he had compassion for them mm-hmm. i mean that's mark's estimation of christ so mm-hmm. it moved christ so much that that mark had to write it down mm-hmm. i mean yeah uh, yeah yeah it's significant there's a i think that one of the things as you were talking about verse 33 there mason that popped into my head is they're they're hurrying there from all the towns to get their needs met it made me think of a year ago with the toilet paper shortages. Remember when people would say, yeah. hey, Walmart has toilet paper, whoosh. And it, it's not dissimilar from that. There's a need and people descend on whatever or whomever it is, whatever it is they think is going to meet that need. Mm-hmm. Not unlike what's happening here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't have the toilet paper, but they had the gospel. <laughs> and, and it, really cool, I think is, you know, sheep without a shepherd, this is Israel that they're talking to, and they were used to having people shepherd them, Moses, David, and so they didn't have that person who was guiding them. And so Jesus, now, my sheep hear my voice, goes and starts to preach to them and mm-hmm. give them, to relieve them of that chasing. Okay, so I want to, if it's okay, I want to skip to verse 53. Okay. Um it says, when they had crossed over, they came to land at Krogan, fill in Yep. And moored the boat. Um, when they got out, people at once recognized him, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then it also says that they began to bring the sick on mats wherever they heard he was. So this is kind of the chaos that I, that continues from the two um, from the two stories that were left out before. And here, um, I know, Krogan, you mentioned that people still aren't understanding the significance of, like, of the two stories that were skipped. Yeah, so the, the, the feeding of the 5,000, walking on water, people are like, wow, but then they don't recognize what Jesus has come there for. And so their hearts are still kind of, Hardened, they they just don't recognize what Jesus is up to, who he really is, what he's doing. So they're just they're still in kind of self preservation mode. To be fair, 
I mean, he is doing incredible things, and he, his ministry is not, his mission isn't complete here. So the apostles who see more of it than anyone else, they don't get it, let alone these crowds as word is spreading. Like, hey, you know, Aunt Millie, who hasn't been able to walk for 10 years, touched his cloak, and now she's up and walking without pain or whatever it is. So it's easy to look with derision on the crowds, I think, or, you know, selfish suckers. But it it also makes a lot of sense that this is just part of Jesus, honestly, march to the crucifixion and resurrection. And it isn't until that has happened that finally the apostles even understand or have are apocalypsed by what exactly it was they were seeing. And they can finally then connect the dots. Because at this point, the crowd just thinks Jesus is here for that very physical, tangible That's what it healing. Ap- yeah, it yep. certainly appears that way. Or fixing they're all just, simple fixes. You know, frantically begging him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, as Mark yep. says. So we don't have any indication that it's anything other than that in this story. And so he had fed 5,000, and they're like, wow, that was an amazing feat. Yeah. Let's, you know, go get the next thing that really helps us along in our old world. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting that they fail to recognize that the things that he performs, like the, especially the walking on water, yeah, that doesn't yeah. directly benefit them. No. But they, they're unable to separate that miracle from the miracle of being healed. Well, it's like so obsessive about self-preservation yeah. that, it, it, that they fail to see that this is God. Which is an interesting thing. And that's a common occurrence in our current society and the institutions that we're involved in institutions that are worshiping organizations is people are like, they're really hung up on how are we going to preserve ourselves or get our needs met or preserve our congregation or get our building or, you know, what's our stewardship campaign? And they have no sense. They get so caught up in the politics of the world that they have no sense, really, that the gospel is being lost. They're caught in trying to think, how are we going to preserve this, make this happen, and do it? And so this is kind of a, a, a good story of we'll take our sick to Jesus, and we'll want him to make a big difference in the marketplace or on the farm or all that kind of stuff, and pray to God, say, we really need you to do this for us, God, because this is the biggest thing. And in all that self-preservation mode, we eventually end up saying, yeah, that forgiveness of sin, that's cool, but... And that's really what happens. So how does a pastor translate this onto the pulpit? Like, he can't go up there and say, okay, so you don't need to worry about donating to the church today. You can, actually. You don't need to worry about donating. You can say, in fact... Because Jesus wants the congregation to stay alive. No, what you say this is you say... So the stewardship on something like this or at any time is, is saying, Jesus actually has freed you and forgives you. All your sin is going to raise you from the dead and is going to remove your identity as a victim. He's going to remove your identity as one who is a perpetrator. He's going to remove all this from you. Take your history and absolve it. And then you say... specific, by the way. Yeah. And then you say, you know, so... Okay. You don't... Yeah. 
So you give money to, to your congregation in order to keep the lights on, and a pastor who knows this law gospel distinction in the pulpit to preach this gospel forgiveness into the ears of people, that's why you give money, yep. period. That's it. And that's why you will provide a quilt to um, a, a senior getting graduating and saying, we're still always going to be here for you. Use this reminder that you come back to us now. So we can put this in your ear. So you'll use these things of the world. This is what Jesus was regularly doing. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do some worldly things here so as to keep your ear with, keep you within earshot. Mm-hmm. But well, then when those worldly things don't, don't come to pass, then we get mad and say, enough with the church, enough with that. Right, which is what can happen with this text specifically. It can get turned into Jesus is going to make your life better. He's mm-hmm. going, if you pray enough or have enough people praying or hard enough, he'll bring the rain if you're in a drought or he'll heal the person you desperately want to live. And it gets turned into a litmus faith test, which is a horrible thing to do to anyone. Um, because in those moments, drought, mm-hmm. sickness, deathbed, yes, you pray for physical healing mm-hmm. or for rain, but certainly now with physical healing, at a certain point, you pray that death comes quickly so that person is no longer suffering and is at peace. And and you actually pray against your own interests in, in those cases. You love the person enough, you don't want them to suffer. So, so the thing about this text that we can recognize is that we too will get caught up in these dramas, in what what's going to meet our needs, what's going to keep our institution alive, what's going to bring mm-hmm. caught in the politics, and as a result, we will betray Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, but as we've said time and again, Jesus actually sets us up so that we are at His mercy. So we literally have to sin against Jesus. We will use our sin to save us. Mm-hmm. And so so when we read this and we see that that is the natural reaction when first people run into Jesus and he's doing some amazing things for you and making an impact on your life, but eventually you won't want him and you will actually forsake betray. what he actually came for. Yep, you'll betray him. Yep. As they did, every one of them. And as we do, yep. every one of us. We're no different. I think that's the uh, that's hard to... I mean, obviously that's hard to hear, but... I think when you hear the, the next step in that conversation, that, that it's the forgiveness of sins, yep. mm-hmm. you are forgiven. You receive the promise. So many people then oscillate right back saying, well, what am I supposed to do? How then shall we live? Oh, yes. Yeah, exactly. How am I supposed to live? Um, yeah. How am I supposed to be a good steward at my church? How much am I supposed to give? Am yep. I supposed to tithe? Uh, and they it's start like, turning into these people scrambling after the law, yeah, actually. It's this oscillation yep. of... You're not free yet. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Which right. all of us are there. Right, which is why we That's why we go worry about the politics of the, and have the of the institution and, and get get yep. kinda like, well, what's gonna happen next? Yep. So each week we're gonna have to come back in and hear Lord Jesus say, Oh, I told you you're gonna do that to me. You people are <laughs> acting like sheep without a shepherd. Let yep. me tell you who your shepherd really is, you yep. sheep. <laughs> that's the way to end it nope. <laughs> he is our shepherd amen, amen. <laughs> and on that note we've reached the end of this week's episode my friends 
Thank you to Dr. Chris Krogan and Sarah Stenson for reminding us that when our conscience is concerned about having our daily needs met, how much we should give to the church, what is the right way to live, we're called to oscillate back to the church to hear the promise of the forgiveness of sins. As you heard at the beginning of the episode, if you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, we'd appreciate it if you'd connect with our co-director, Sarah Stenson, by sending her an email at sstenson at augie.edu. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Additionally, if you'd like to support us in a different way, we'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating or follow our Facebook page at Luther House of Study. We'd love it if you drop us a comment on one of our posts about what you found interesting, helpful, or noteworthy. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, you don't have to worry about having your needs met. We'll see you next time on Scripture First. Scripture First.